have uh, Manny back. Congratulations, Manny, for joining us finally this year. Happy New Year to you, Manny. How are you, how you, how you doing? Well, first off, Happy New Year to you all and our listeners as well. You know, I had to come back. Um, had enough Chelsea slander in your first podcast of the of the new year, I guess. New year, same old slander. So I just had to come on here and kind of represent and set the set the tone straight for a new season, a new Chelsea that is about to just unleash on oh, you God. all. So. Oh, we're talking about Chelsea. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> a new Chelsea in the second division. Um, hey, Justin, I'm just going to say hi to you. Um, real quick for, for our listeners, um, we're going to do this time around again where we're going to do a rapid-fire uh, episode. We we have about seven topics, including the intro, which is eight, but um, I, I'm actually very excited because there's a lot of topics to talk about, especially in AFCON, especially in Italy, sadly, with the racism um, and then um, I have a, a pointless fact that I want to point out, so I I cannot wait for that. Um, all right, so who, who's gonna who's gonna start me off with Halfcon, or do I just dive in? Because I'm just gonna dive in. How about that? You know, go for here's, it. Here's why. Here's my question. Halfcon, what's up, Bori? Tell us what's up. No, that's a good transition. Well, I, I love that. The floor is that. yours. <laughs> all right. No. Okay. Actually, guys, listen, I don't think I've ever... Well, okay, hold on. Usually, AFCONs, when I watch AFCONs, I only care about Nigeria. Like, I, you know, I just want to watch Nigeria, you know, what's going on, right? But I'm telling you, this AFCON is the best I've ever watched in my life. I, you know, I'm young, but still. Well, I'm some, somewhat young. It's the best AFCON I've ever seen. We are talking about upsets. I, Justin, I'm, I'm sure you remember this. Last week, we said... This was like after the first round of games. I was like, yeah, like everyone, like small teams are being big teams. I thought it was just a an, an anomaly, uh, one get, first game week thing. But no, no. Cape Verde is like, they were the first to qualify out of the whole tournament. Um, Equatorial Guinea, like, Jesus Christ, like what's going on? Like these are small teams that are ranked very high on the FIFA ranking, which is not a good thing. Um, and... Somehow they're and, and uh, see here's the thing. The other thing that you, you all have to think about is not just the small teams beating the big teams. There's a lot of drama. I don't know if you saw today. Today Egypt Egypt the Egypt game uh, against Cape Verde and then uh, I think uh, uh, Ghana played uh, Mozambique. That was like, like I don't know how to describe it. The best way to describe it is just go on YouTube and just watch the the the, the games because. I've never seen such drama-filled game in my life before, and I'm not exaggerating. I am the Cape Verde, the Cape Verde game, and Egypt is the was the most drama-filled game I've ever watched in my life. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but it is true. That sounds extremely crazy. Give it, give us, give us a sample. Give us one dramatic event, because I'm struggling to think of this being the The, most dramatic game you've ever seen. The main, Justin. That's saying that's saying a lot coming from a city I fan. If he's, I'm if, telling if this you, was the most... I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it's for me again. Maybe it's because I'm young, but I, so the main thing is last minute is everything like Egypt. So Egypt. So the score was one one. Egypt scored what they thought was the the winner. So obviously that that means that they've gone through, and then 
you know, they kept playing Cape Verde, remember, already qualified. They didn't, you know, they didn't play most of their, their good players. And somehow they equalized very last minute. So that meant that Egypt is most likely is out. But then there was the other game where Ghana was already winning 2-0. Everyone thought, oh, yeah, Ghana's going to win. You know, we're playing Mozambique, who very like I think the least ranked in this in this tournament. And suddenly, somehow, Mozambique came back to two, and so Egypt thought they were out. So they were like, like, the game was over. Like they were like, oh my gosh, like they were crying. And then somehow they got that the news that Mozambique tied back, and suddenly they started to cheer again. And I was just like. Jeez, like this is like the the roller coaster of emotions. I've never seen that in real time during, with the players. Like wow. I thought it was like I think you had to be there, you had to watch it live to like really understand the emotions. And so that's why I've tagged it as the most dramatic game I've ever watched because of just the people involved and like the fa- like the no just the craziness around it. So. I felt like we've talked too, too much about this, so we should probably move on to the other aspect of AFCON, uh, if if we're cur- if you are curious. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the other big storyline that's going on besides the, right, the other dogs? Okay. All right. So I don't know if you. I'm not sure where you all you all are with with AFCON. I'm sorry we're making this an AFCON episode, but hey, you know, AFCON is going on. Um. So. Don't need to apologize. It, this is more of a sad note, I guess, uh, something that we don't want to see. Uh, Morocco played Congo. Congo, by the way, gotta give it to them. Such a solid team. Um, you have players like uh, Mbemba, who played for Marseille. I don't know who he plays now. Um, you have players like Wisa. Um, I'm sure some of you have had him in your fantasy. Um, but anyways, my point is, we have Morocco, who were some finalists in the World Cup, just what... Uh, over a year ago, um, and they scored an early goal. So you thought, you know, it's going to be a coasting game. Congo came back 1-1. There were lots of controversies in this game with 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 VAR calls, uh, with you know fouls, yellow cards that shouldn't be given. Just just a lot of controversies there. But then the most controversy was after the game. So the whistle was blown. Mbemba was thanking the sky. <laughs> let's just say and he was he was just praying essentially the coach of morocco came over and talked to mbemba they exchanged some words and then it was just like the conte tukul situation i don't know if y'all remember that when tukul was trying to shake conte's hand and conte was like trying to leave after the shake of the hand and tukul pulled him in into that it's Many will know what I'm talking about because you know that was that was a few years ago. Anyways, my point is, so this caused a huge row, and it was so bad that. And here's the thing: it was so bad because there were there were a few things here. One was the players were fighting; um, they were really like going at it, and they were going to the tunnel. Like you could see uh, one of the players; I can't remember his name now, being pulled back. His his jersey being torn torn by the pullback from uh, Bono uh, because that player was essentially going all in on Bimba trying to beat him up. And I was just like, what what is going on here? Like, what are we doing? The whistle ha- whistle has been blown. What are you fight? What else are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? And and this is something that we don't want to see because this is always a stereotype that we you know 
they say about Africans and we don't want to see that. And that's something that has been brought and, and I'm ashamed, honestly, I'm ashamed. But that said, the other aspect of this is then you started having all, all this racist abuse against Mbimba on, on social media. And what, you know, that one's a side, side effect of people that are crazy. But yeah, just stuff that you don't want to see. Uh, and so that's the other side of Afcon. Um, and again, not so much fun. So we got the the highs and the, the and very the lows. low lows. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because otherwise it sounds like it's been a, a really it's just an exciting and great thrilling tournament with um a lot of much more interesting, much more positive storylines going on in the in this tournament. So that's a shame that that marred things. I also recommend if you're not watching Afcon, you have to you have to it it is. It, tomorrow's even going to be crazier because Algeria is may not qualify and they're going to fight to death. But maybe they'll kill um, Mauritius. Oh, Mauritania, I think they're playing. So yeah, we'll I see. see. Yeah, Angola, Angola, top of that group, which is also that's a surprise to me. That's not a not a nation that I would normally think of as being um yeah a, a contender. But we yeah. should probably move on to to uh, Syria. I mean, I don't want really to want to talk about you know the racism aspect of the game like it's is such a such a downer so let's talk about Serie A which i'm sure is not having anything similar right bori there's no, uh, no yeah. controversies well, in Serie A <laughs> well i'm glad you asked that question because uh unfortunately there was there was racism as always happens honestly like it's it's a shame now but i do want to just put out a bright spot that i didn't think i would be saying um, and, and that is the story here is the keeper Mignon, uh, coach of, uh, sorry, keeper for France, was rich, you know, reported to reported hearing certain noises from the fans about himself, um, and told the ref that he he's hearing stuff. The ref said, oh, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. Continue with the game. It happened again. Mignon talked to Maresca, who's the, the ref in this case, and. I could not believe what I was seeing. Basically, what happened at this point was Maresca decided to suspend the game. And normally what you will see at this point is the players telling the player being racially abused to just chill and it'll be fine. But no, they were just like all with him. All, you know, I'm part of AC Milan, dude. Like they were just like, yeah, we'll walk with you like you could say oh what what happened oh yeah definitely like they did not try to convince him to go back to the pitch and and play through it which was amazing which was very amazing and so so that was that was the case and that's i mean again it's a it's a bad news of what's what's happening but that is the sort of the silver lining in this case but and what ended up happening they probably suspended for like about five minutes or, or so um even though fabrizio said 10 minutes i was like wait no it was like five minutes but anyways um they suspended the game and then um they made some announcements and then and then it was solved uh the they found one of the, the players and apparently they're going to to ban them for life so we'll see if that actually holds true um but hey, you know, this is what black players have to go through and some other players still have to go through. And it's like, you know, 2024. <laughs> so. And it only took yeah. them like decades to get something like yeah, that yeah. to occur. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I, I guess better late than never. On that note, I think it's something that I've always uh, 
when when I've ex- when I've seen and watched the game, and you know, you see an event like this happen, you always question why the players even play. Why do they can? Why do they even carry on with the game? Right? Like, think about it. Like, all it takes is one team to collectively, like, you know, say we're not gonna do this. We're not gonna continue until this is at you know this it's under control. Right. Um, right. think about like what that would mean as far as like sponsorship dollars, right? As far as exactly. money, right? Like, don't you think that that would be enough for, uh, the FA of whatever that, you know, league is of whatever that country is to enforce some of these rules, you know, and actually like come down with some, um, fines and punishments for it's the fan bases, right? That's like, but sense. I'm like, but it, like all it takes is just one, 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 you know, one occasion one event where a team can come together collectively and say no we won't we will not continue this because you know of what's happening of disrespect and everything that's going on like you know but like i said maybe maybe it is a step it's definitely a step in the right direction i just feel like um it just needs we we just need one event like that one one huge moment to change uh how we view these events, right, that are all too becoming all too com- common. So, gosh, I have three things to say about what you just said, man. Because first thing is, Juve had this problem with Kin Moises Kin uh, a few years ago, getting racially abused. You know what happened? Bonucci told him to keep playing on. Bonucci told him to keep playing, and that is the difference. That is why these things matter. To your point of why do these players keep like if the team is behind this player. It makes so much of a difference. It makes so much, and that's what people don't understand. So that's the first. Thing. Second thing is the crazy part about this whole thing is, and the thing that always makes me like mind blown is, Udinese had three black players, one Nigerian, one Nigerian being fielded at the time it was happening. Like, how do these players not be like, why am I playing for this club? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I that's why I don't understand. When these things happen and and these these fans are doing to play to to and they're supporting clubs that are fielding black players at the time it's the craziest thing to me um and so anyways i know i said three things about just stuff right too because of time and i see that the next topic that we have is about saudi arabia so speaking about people, oppression i'm joking um anyways uh Manny, can you just fill us in on what's going on in Saudi Arabia? Because I'm I'm trying to get my mind on what why people are moving out of Saudi Arabia. You know, uh, you know that saying, the grass is always greener. The dollars aren't always greener in this sense, in this case, because every player, there's reports that are coming out that all these high profile players that had moved over to the Middle East to play and this supposedly new competitive league are starting to have, uh, you know, doubts and second thoughts about why they even joined in the first place. And now, you know, these high profile players, the likes of Karim Benzema, the likes of uh, Jordan Henderson, Firmino, Serge Milinkovic-Savage, you know, there's reports that they are trying to work out some type of loan deal where these players can come back to their respective leagues that they moved away from for, I don't know, just a few more bucks here and there, you know? And um, it's not what they thought it was going to be. 
and clearly it's not because the numbers speak for themselves. Actually, there's reports out there that these players, apart, you know, very few players have actually driven up the viewership of, um, you know, this league, right? And mm-hmm. it's not something that actually would make it um, enough to where it's entertaining because let's be honest. When's the last time you saw Al Etihad play? When's the last time you guys tuned in to I see just, Ahalal? I just looked, When's the last looked time him, you guys looked him exactly. up on ESPN? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, exactly. Like it's not it's not appealing. It it was it was something that they were trying to just cover up with these big name signings. Uh, granted, a lot of them are you know on the wrong side of uh of you know thirty plus, but it's not something that was ever going to work in the way that they tackled it. They tried to make this thing a success overnight. It was just essentially the Chinese league, but on steroids, right? We think back uh, to what, like a decade ago when uh, the Chinese super league was ironically, right? Super league was um, throwing out ridiculous amounts of money for the likes of uh, Oscar, for the likes of Tevez. Tevez at one point was the highest paid player in the world all right and he played all of like i think like a handful of games in china right but it was a way to try to attract um you know a new viewership new fans and what happened it just it failed miserably right and that's the same thing that is happening now in the middle east um the irony is that now these players some of them haven't even they're not going to complete fully their entire contracts on it because um, they know that they have to stay in tip-top shape. The competition has to be sharp, right? Iron sharpens iron is the saying, and it's not competitive enough for these players at the at the level that they should be playing because a lot of these players are also big-name players that have their country competitions to look forward to. I'm talking about the Euros. I'm talking about the uh, the Come Bowls. I'm talking about all of these international competitions that they should be ready for, and they're clearly not um, at the height and at the level that they should be. Um, my question to you all is: Should these players get a second chance? Should they get a second chance at trying to uh, escape, you know, uh, the situation that they're in and be given the lifeline uh, to join top competition in Europe? Yes. I'll ask. Yes. What do you think? Arsenal. Bring him back. Let him in. The I mean, like every player who leaves by mutual consent or on loan. I mean, that's what happened with Jordan Henderson. Obviously, he he's the big one, right? Like his uh, his five hundred whatever it was, five hundred million dollar contract or whatever it was that he was making, um, canceled, terminated, terminated on mutual uh, agreement between him and the club. Because he was just so ready to go, and now he's in uh, he's in the Netherlands. He's at Ajax, uh, which is like you know a, a fine landing spot for him, and for him and any other player who does leave the Saudi league under um, unexpected, let's say like uh, early earlier than expected or earlier than contracted terms, hastens the descent and hopefully the the end of this whole. Saudi league like it's going to become the next big league thing maybe the Saudi Arabian the Saudi um royal family will and the sovereign wealth fund will stop trying to uh for instance 
not just the players, but start <laughs> trying to purchase actual uh, uh, matches, <laughs> actual finals. You know, like the the Super Spanish Super Cup was just played in in Saudi Arabia just a, a couple of weeks ago, right? Like, you know, hopefully this this whole era of um, financial abuse really uh, will will be put to an end, much like as many uh, said, like much as happened to the Chinese Super League. And I, I think even before that, like, you know, like think about like, well, there's a brief moment in time where like the Russian, there's the Russian league with the, the oligarchs in Russia where like break, trying to bring in like all the, you know, like uh, South American players and uh, top talents from Europe, from the rest of Europe. And then that also kind of petered out because no matter how much money you have, it's all about the enthusiasm in the stadium and at home, people watching on their televisions, and you can't just buy that. It's like it, that you cannot beat the organic um, level of support that exists within clubs that have been around for, in some cases, a hundred plus years. Right? Uh, it's just it's 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 just a different animal, and it just always will be. I, I can actually throw in the MLS into this whole equation, also, right? Um, although they've 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 had a but little bit most- more staying power. Well, Ronaldo's CR7's club must be doing well, I would assume, right? Like because they have all the stars. Well, that says it all. But that says it all, boy. You don't know. <laughs> you just <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that tells us how well, how closely you've been following this league. I'll have you know. I'll have you know that Ronaldo takes full credit for the development of uh, the Saudi Super League. So, you know, and it's it, better it than the enti- French league. It falls entirely. It falls entirely on his shoulders. You know how this experiment ends up. Um, Boru, do you think well, that, do you agree with Justin that they should get a second chance? I don't think, I mean, hey, if I were them, I would have done the same move. If I'm being honest, I would have gone to make a, a bunch of money. Let's be honest, come on. Gone to make a bunch of money and then just leave after six months and then I'll still be rich, you know. Um, or I'll be richer, like Henderson. Well, That's a joke. Let's Let's go from players who well, make or make players who are making 50 million euros a month and talk about some players who are making one euro a month. Okay, we don't have to spend time on this, but I'm pissed at those people. That's all. I I'm like the opposite pissed of how I am with like the Hendersons and the SMSs that, that are playing in Saudi Arabia. Like oh, these hold, people are. Hold making... on, boy. Who, who are you talking about? And why are you why are right. pissed at them? Who are these okay. players? All right. So here here's the thing. First of all, why is what happened to Miroslav Klosa? What, what happened to him? Why is uh, this still leave. playing? Uh, because he's Germany's all-time greatest, or one of Ger- Germany's all-time greatest strikers and holds multiple World Cup records. Okay. All right, so that's okay. Fine, whatever. Perisic is the other player that is playing for Hadrick Split, which is a club in Croatia. And this dude decided that he was going to take a one euro a year salary. Now, listen, I do not care whether you're doing this for charity or like, I don't know what the point of what they're doing is. But you're telling me that Persage of all people, Persage that just like three years ago was probably one of the best left wing backs in the world or right, you know, he he's ambidextrous. Like, how is this guy going to go retire now? And that's why I don't understand about these players. And that's why I'm pissed. Because why are these players going back home to 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 only earn a euro a, a year? I'm sorry. That is stupidity. I do not care what you call it. If it's charity, I don't care. 
eligibility and should stop. And I'm going to put out a petition for this. Now, I, I won't put up pressure for people to go to Saudi Arabia. They can go to Saudi Arabia because that makes more sense. They're making money. But what, what is going on? And that's that's my confusion, right? So we don't talk about this. I'm just putting this out there as like, why? Why would anyone do this? I don't well, care. Couple I, of points. I, couple of points of clarification. In the case of Ivan Perisic, who is on loan at I think it's his boyhood club, right? It's a club that he supported as a, as a kid growing up in Croatia, uh, on loan there from Spurs. Um, and correction board, I believe he's making one euro a month, not a year. A month. It's a one euro a month deal. Barely enough um, to get by. You know what? I, I apologize to to him. He he's making eleven more euros than I than I realized. And I can say, it's part of it is love. I'm sure. Like I said, it's a boyhood club, but also, everyone's got to retire one day. And what's your Lots of people, you know, you can either go the route where you make a lot, a lot of money and you just sit on your ass, or maybe Ivan Perisic, he has uh, aspirations of building something with his boyhood club or returning back to Croatia and like being like, a, you know, a, a involved in the sport in some way. And this is going to be a great way to engender goodwill. Uh, you know, he's a heroic figure, both uh, on the national, international stage already, but now I say boo. I say, say future president. You know what? I will go to Croatia and just go to the match and boo him every time he's on the ball. That's what I'm going to do. By the way, I misspoke there when I said I don't know why I said myself close. I don't know why you guys didn't stop me. No, I meant Nikola Kalinic, the former the ex Milan player who is about 34 right now and still for some reason realized that he can still play football and is going to cop out. Came out, came back from retirement and then went to play for this club for i don't know it just pisses me off i'm sorry they could have come to mls mls will pay them handsomely well and they'll get a a better feeling than yeah anyways i i'm i'm done ranting for people making less money i don't know why i'm, I'm even ranting for them anyway, I, i'm just gonna move on to this next topic all right so first of all i did not even realize the u.s man, men national team was playing a friendly but somehow they did with the against the Slovenian team can somebody just tell me what's going on here like first of all why are they playing this game like what's the point and um and then why did they you know did they lose yeah they lost they lost the Slovenian it's me team. Manny I think you're the only one who's up to date on this yep so uh the U.S. men's national team uh led by one Greg Triple G Burhalter lost to had a, a friendly, right? An international friendly against a Slovenian, not A team, not B team, but their C team, and they still managed to lose 1 0. Now, you all can say, well, you know, the U.S. men's national team didn't have their A squad. Well, neither did the Slovenian uh, team have their A squad either. And this, again, it's like, hey, you know, the World Cup right around the corner. You need prep time, you need to develop these players. Is this guy the person that we are putting all our trust and faith in into actually making us look good at home, on home soil, in front of the world? No. Like, I don't understand how we're still not questioning. We still have the time, right? We still have the time to interview the correct candidates and come up with someone. Like Mourinho. I'd take Mourinho on the U.S. men's national team. You guys can laugh. I know, Bori, you, you might feel a certain Hold type on. of way, but... Please, no, please no, no, no. Put... I won't laugh at that. I would laugh at that. What's Lenny, going on? No, Mourinho, Mourinho has said as much. That's what was like one of my thoughts about this, but like this is a digression. We don't have time to talk again to that, what Mourinho is and isn't going to do. 
but uh, sorry, keep going, Mini. Well, listen, the point I'm trying to make is all these little things, all these like exhibition games. Yes, they're friendlies. They might not mean anything, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. These are professional athletes at the end of the day. We are the U.S. We should be able to field 11 players that can go toe to toe with the best at any given point and not just stomp on the CONCACAF teams, but get destroyed by any other, uh, you know, federation out there. And that is my rant. And that's what I feel like we are missing. Like, I think it, it got swept under the rug because obviously it wasn't like a big thing and it's not like a huge international date. But, you know, all these little things are, are, are moving up and you're starting to see those little cracks get bigger and bigger. So that's where I'm going to end. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I'm looking at the, the, the lineups and I don't recognize a single from neither either side. I don't recognize a single person on either okay. of these teams. Oh, uh, Shaquille Moore. That's the on the U.S. He's a right back. That's the only player I recognize every single every single player of the other 21 players on the field. Do you recognize the coach, though? Do you recognize who was uh, coaching them? <laughs> was was Triple G there, or did he like delegate that to one of no. his assistants? I don't actually know. I don't. I, no, he he was there, man. He was there. All right, he was responsible for this. Like I said, this guy. We should be able to field eleven players at any given moment to go toe to toe, right? We. I don't. I don't get it. I don't want to hear that. We play down to our competition arguments that I've heard over and over for the past few years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not how you will uh, build a will uh, like a winning mentality like and and Greg Berhalter certainly doesn't have that that mindset so I know we don't have enough time to get into it but I'm just saying Mourinho's out there all right no I would not want him to stoop that low to be honest so um, yeah I hey I think Mourinho should probably just retire if I'm being honest maybe just become a, a sporting director or something or media media PR person for a club. Oh, that would be cool. He would be the PR person for a club. Because he loves talking to the media. Let's be honest. All right. So I'm going to talk about my pointless fact. And I'm going to make this interactive, actually. Um, it's going to be a history lesson. It's really actually not going to be an actual fact. It's going to be just like, did you know this? Well, I guess that could be a fact also. But all right. I'm going to ask, does anyone know how many guineas are in the continent of Africa? How many how many countries are named Guinea or have Guinea in the name in Africa? Well, you got your equatorial. Uh, yep. Then you got uh, Guinea-Bissau. Is that pronunciation correct? Bissau? Well, I say Bissau, but I, I don't know if that's actually how they would pronounce it, but Bissau is what we call it back home. Based on your, I'm going to say eight. Is this, are we playing over under here? No, it's okay. I'll just say it's three. Is this the price three. right? It's three. It's three, okay? okay. It's that's three. what I was going to say. And here, here's the thing. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Suddenly... We have three guineas playing in this, you know, well, we have, well, technically we have two guineas actually playing right now in the AFCON. And um, the the story here is Equatorial Guinea, it, it's just funny how Equatorial Guinea is a Spanish colony. So their style of football is the Spanish style tiki taka. They, they, they're actually very good. If you watch them, which by the way, I mean, we tied them, Nigeria tied with them, but they're, they're good. They're very uh, hardworking. Um, 
it's it's Spanish colony. Guinea, the Republic of Guinea, which is the third one that we didn't mention yet, is uh, French speaking, and then Guinea Bissau is Portuguese speaking. Yep. So it's caused this whole confusion of people trying to figure out which Guinea is playing, what's their style of play, like what's going on with these Guineas, like well, what is all these Guineas? So. Anyways, that that's pretty much it. Just wanted to tell you the, the difference between all the three guineas and to tell you that two guineas made the AFCON and one guinea is doing very well. So that's that's it. That's just a pointless fact. It had to be AFCON um, oriented. So, uh, yeah, now you know. Three, three guineas in Africa. Uh, quick side note, there's a, also a Papua New Guinea in Australia. I wish that was in Africa, but that's too far. Um, but yeah, cool. That's that's all we have. Uh, and anything else you'd, you'd like to say? I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't talk about Arsenal today. That's my only sort of gripe here. Eh, that's all right. We had the uh, we had a an Afcon centric episode, and I think it was a good one. So we can save Arsenal good. talk. For, like I'm happy enough. I'm happy enough with the results. We don't have to talk about good. it. Good. Things. Well, thank you all for listening. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. We'll talk to you hopefully next week. Talk. Uh, see you later. Bye.